people, I kind of built her. Like, I built who I wanted her to be, and then when everybody was okay with it, I felt safe to kind of become her in real life. Hi, we are Colleen and Colleen, and we have made it our mission to spread kindness and make everyone feel like they belong. So each week we will share real life stories, motivating insights, and helpful tips that will inspire you to live a kinder, happier life. We believe that together we can make the world a much better place. Are you in? I'm in. Let's do this. Welcome to the You Fit Here podcast. Hey guys, it's CB. And CS. And welcome to another episode of You Fit Here. We have an awesome guest today, per usual. But this one's extra awesome because in our space, we stress the importance of inclusion and that every single person fits here. Hence our motto, You Fit Here. And our guest today does the exact same thing. She is an advocate for all types of people. She wants people to feel loved and accepted for who they are. And she's amazing. So we have Katie Crenshaw with us. She's a mother of three, a lifestyle blogger, best-selling author, a maternal mental health advocate, and a speaker. She wants the best for everyone, and we can't wait to dive in and get you guys all the information from her. So welcome, Katie. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. We're so excited. So we're definitely going to jump in to your best-selling book, but we want to get to know you first. So you became a lifestyle blogger about five-ish years ago. Is that right? Yes, as soon as my second child was born. So just a little, oh yeah, like exactly five years ago. And what made you get into it in the first place? So I was in healthcare for 10 years prior, and I was working night shift um, in labor and delivery. It was a very high-demand job with um, little sleep schedule, <laughs> and Charlie kind of was born the most high-needs baby on earth. And I was like, this is not going to work. And there were no daytime positions open. So I had to accept this kind of involuntary role of stay-at-home mom that I didn't really, I wasn't really secure about. Um, so I knew I needed some kind of like identity outlet for me to um, just to kind of give me that something that was mine. And I've always really been into photography and writing so, um, and I've always had like hobby blogs, so I just kind of dove into that. Um, but at that, at that season in my life, I was doing all this authentic motherhood and I had already been divorced and remarried. And so I thought I'll talk about things that are less Pinterest perfect and more like, uh, messier and honest about motherhood and things like that. I love that. That's your life experience that just like geared you to be real for other people so that they can, wow, there's someone else like me going through this stuff and it's not so picture perfect that I have to relate to. Yeah. Or at least like, feel inadequate. Yes. <laughs> in people with to. people with the non-conventional stories rarely um, started the blogs, especially five years ago. It's obviously social media has changed a lot, even in five years. So um, I love the authenticity is kind of trending now, but back then it it definitely wasn't. There was not a lot of people. It was kind of like everybody was the same. That a thousand percent. I feel like that would take a lot of bravery. Yeah. Well, for me, it just kind of like I got tired of, I don't know, like it was kind of selfish in a way too because, you know, vulnerability creates connection and I think I really wanted connection as well and I wanted to feel more norm more normal. And I knew that if I drew people to those topics, then they would be like me, so. 
I actually just saw it. I don't know if it was your post or your story, but it was an older picture of you. And you put something like, this was me when I was trying to fit the mold that everyone yeah, else yeah. wanted me. Yes. I was like, that is so powerful because we probably all have one of those like phases or pictures in a point of our life that, you know, you just genuinely weren't being who you are on the inside and just were yeah. meeting the definition of what everyone else wanted you to be. Yeah. I feel like the, my mid thirties are like the definition of an existential crisis and like evaluating everything all the time. Like, why am I doing this? Who told me this to do this? Like, why do I think this is what I need to do? And like unpacking everything all the time. Yeah. We should all do that a lot more often. Yes. I agree. Truly. 10,000%. Mm-hmm. Like open up the curtains and unveil mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. Um, so with that, you're going to experience some highs and I'm sure lows putting yourself out there as a blogger and as just a social personality on the internet, tell us about like the ups and then the downs that you go through. So the ups are for me, my personality type. Um, I, I love connecting with people. I love creating connections. So I love like matchmaking friends and introducing people to other people and things like that. Um, so I love the connection with strangers Um, also I've made some of my best friends over the last five years through the internet, like other bloggers and creators. Um, obviously all of that is amazing. Um, I, I feel like through creating my online presence, I've solidified my own identity, kind of like what we were just talking about. Um, I just finished uh, my memoir, which we can touch on later, but I talk a lot in my memoir about how I kind of built her. Like I built who I wanted her to be. And then when everybody was okay with it, I felt safe to kind of become her in real life. So it was like this weird, um, this, my blog kind of brought me into myself. Um, so, so that's the positive. Um, the negative is obvious when you talk about anything controversial or unconventional people get scared because they don't understand or they get um angry because they don't understand and so I have to always remind myself it's because they don't understand it's because this isn't familiar to them and it scares them but yeah I talk about um a lot of progressive subjects and liberal subjects and I talk about my own life which is not traditional and and yeah people are brave behind keyboards so (laughs) So I guess the negative would definitely be some of the people in that regard that have reached out. But honestly, um, even though sometimes it's intense, it's never enough to outweigh all the good. Yeah. I don't know why I'm picturing a pinata, but talking about the highs and lows when you put yourself out there like that, it's like everybody wants the candy. I mean, most people want the candy. You want the truth. But some people are just going to work a lot harder to get the candy and some people are just going to beat the pinata for no reason or just the reason being that they don't want to you know fight that hard to figure out their truth or get their candy I'm really sorry about that but I'm just picturing it in my head so I that's that does that's bravery I feel like gosh I yeah well it's funny because when people say like especially with some of my body image content and they're like you're so brave for posting that and I'm like I I'm the same as you. I just have a purpose, like, to, you know, show you that you can do it, too. So, like, we have the same feelings. I just have a different purpose. 
seriously. And I think it's so great that you can already look at it, that the people who are the ones hurting you or posting that hateful stuff, you know, it's on them. Like it has nothing to do with you or what you're really posting. It's bringing out insecurities or unknowns to them and that you can already separate it and be like, this is not about me. This is about the other person. Yes. With, with therapy and medication, I am able to do that. (laughs) I mean, it's hard. I was Colleen and I, I always say we're lucky that our company is based on kindness. So if someone is being unkind, we're like, well, we're probably just not for you. (laughs) But generally that scope of things, it's pretty easy to get behind being kind. But when we have like the negative email or the misconstrued thing, how they took something, it it pains you inside, even though you know, like, this, this has nothing to do with us, this is not what we meant. It's hard. And I couldn't imagine doing that when it's everything that you're sharing about yourself. You have to, I don't even want to say have a thick skin because you don't want to have a thick skin. You just have to have like almost compassion and understanding for those people. Yeah, it's just, it all comes back to, like, a lack of control for me. Like, I want to control everybody's opinion of me, and I want to, everybody to understand that I'm a good person, and this is what I mean, and I just have to recognize that with my job, people are always going to have a very small percentage of who I am and what I think, and there's nothing I can do about that. I can't invite thousands of people to come live with me, um, so there's nothing I can do, like, at can't all. control others' yeah. perceptions. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's yeah I I was gonna say courageous and brave but it really just is like human to human how you live life with everyone how you just can't the, good, the good outweighs the bad <laughs> yeah yeah I'd rather have the connections than yeah not so wouldn't be you true to yourself an impact yeah so your daughter Charlie has a beautiful birthmark on her face and you talk about it on your social media feed a lot is this what kind of ignited the fire behind body positivity for you? I think it definitely played a role that I don't think I knew it played at the time. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely having a daughter, even from the moment I found out I was pregnant with her, kind of opened up this whole new part of my brain that I had not previously thought about. Like, oh, how do I raise a girl in this society? I'm a girl, but like, I don't know how to raise one. Um, and I don't have a close relationship with my own mom. So I was like, Oh no, I don't know what to do. Um, and then she was born with a really noticeable difference, um, that is visible and, um, it's faded a lot now, but if you looked at pictures when she was a baby, you guys remember it was very prominent and people commented on it all the time. Um, so I guess it was a big eye opening experience for me to realize how many people, still go straight to appearance. Like even when she was a baby, the start of conversations was always like surrounding her face. And it was never like, what is her milestone this week? It was like, oh my God, her face. So um, that's actually when my blog really took off. And I like unprivated my Instagram account. And like, all that is I wrote um, a viral article about like an open letter to people who make comments about her face. And it went viral. Um, because so many people could relate so many women, so many mothers, especially around the world were writing me and they're like, my son has CP and I feel like this, like my kids have birthmarks and I feel like this, like just this obsession with, um, the societal standard of beauty was just so weird to me and in my face at that time. Um, so yeah. And then it kind of evolved like 
I just have paid more attention. I'm also, like, in a plus-size body, which, and, you know, I've been trolled by people and called fat, and I'm gonna die of a heart attack and leave my kids, and, like, like, I just have really been exposed to the societal ideal over the last few years, um, and because I have a daughter, like, I just don't want the world to be that way when she's my age, so, so yeah, I'm trying to do everything I can to, like, rewrite that story. That's amazing. Well, and it's, we had um, an episode earlier on with um, Ryan Hack, who has um, one hand. Yeah. And we talked a lot about, you know, just the outward appearance. Why do we get so stuck on that with people? Weird. <laughs> like, you just see how they look, and the whole don't judge a book by its cover, you can say it again and again and again, but that's what people still do Mm -hmm. instead of hi what's your name what are your hobbies what you know what's your career instead it's what happened to you like what's wrong with this person and I think it's amazing that you are trying to re-gear how people jump into something like maybe your perception should be about their themselves like their souls their personalities and not just oh you look different from me so that's not normal yeah, and above all, um, to not pity people who don't fit your, in your box because it's normal to be curious and it's normal whatever to be, you know, you can respectfully be curious. But um, the, I mean, even from Charlie's birthmark as a baby to me being in a bigger body, people um, tend to feel sorry for you, which is the weirdest part for me. Like, oh, you probably can't do this. Or like, oh, did she get burned like she's gonna have so much trouble in her life and so for me too it's like it's okay to be curious but like everybody's fine everybody's gonna be fine what would you say to someone who is curious like what is a healthy way to be curious and ask something that you genuinely want to know because for some people if you can compartmentalize like I need an answer to this question and then now I just can get to know the person. What would your advice be to a parent or someone to talk to their kids about about curiosity, about differences? Well, first of all, I think generally speaking, especially with adults, kids don't really fall into this because I give kids a lot more grace. But like if you wouldn't walk up to somebody in the grocery store and ask like, why are your eyebrows tweezed so weird? Like, you're not going to, like, go up and ask somebody about something else, you know? So, like, if it's, like, that's not appropriate no matter what (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. to, like, go up to a stranger and ask something about their body. But, um, you know, if it's a friend or some setting where that would be appropriate, there are plenty of polite ways to be like, what is that? You know, like, what, like, just medically speaking, I'm curious. I've never seen anything like that. With kids, um... Kids are absolutely going to be curious and ask questions, and I have never been rude to a child who's asked because they are a child. So I usually just say, like, thank you for asking. This is just the color of her skin. She was born with part of her skin a different color than the other part, and she's fine. Because usually kids want to know if she's hurt. Um, They're worried is usually the thing. Um, So she's fine. Like, she's happy. She's a good friend. Um, this is just a different color of her skin, just like you have brown eyes and she has blue eyes. Um, kids are much easier to, they're just like, okay. And then they go on their way. (laughs) But, um, adults in general 
yeah, like, don't go up to a stranger for any reason and ask about anything. But, yeah, if it's a friend, I think it's approachable. And then just move on. Like, I don't know. Though. We yeah. I spent so many months as a baby, when she was a baby, like, being like, can we talk about anything else? <laughs> like, right. why are we so upset about this? Yeah. Right. So many Because things. then adults almost feel the need to pry further. Like, well, is there anything that will change? Will it go it? away? Yeah. It, yeah. It's like, just, it is what it is. Like, yeah, why I mean, do you care so much? As a rule, I feel like we should just stop asking about other people's appearances in general, but. Right. Like, if you want to share, you will. Yeah. And if not, let's talk about what's really going on, like, in motherhood and so that we can all connect on that level, which is the level that we should be connecting. Yes. Yeah, on a human level, not an appearance level. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So you talked about you being in a plus-size body, and you post stuff that is, like, unbelievable. I mean, they're so powerful, these pictures, that it takes, like, major, I would say balls, but, like, I don't think balls are that strong anyway. Yeah, (laughs) major ovaries. major ovaries and guts to post these things how what I know your daughter with her birthmark maybe started that fire within you but what gave you that like oomph to be like I'm going for it I am putting myself out there fully and take it or leave it people well number one statistics I mean most women are between the sizes of like 12 and 18 I think in our country so like I know they're out there. They're just not, they're just afraid to show up a lot of them. And so that, and again, a lot of it is selfish. A lot of it is me working through my own stuff. So like me, um, I am a natural like motivator and connector. And like, I, I know that I go through these things so that I can help other people. Even if I don't feel like showing up, it feels like it's a job I just go to when I get up. So like, even on bad days, I know that the more I show up as myself for other women, um, that it will get easier for me. Not I'm, you know, like muscle memory, like the more you do it, the more you don't care what anybody thinks. Um, and then obviously just for them, I get a lot of, um, I get a lot. It's very rewarding to know that just by me showing up to life publicly that I'm helping someone else. So, you know, that's worth whatever nerves I have about doing it. (laughs) I think it's so good because in our society, in magazines, in whatever, even other bloggers, it's seen as like the perfect, I use quotes, body and the envious life. And we're doing all of these things and we are a size two or a size four, but you're right. That's not what most of our world is. So why do we only highlight that type of body and give people this false sense of what we should be? Yeah, there's a lot of media we can't control, but then social media is everywhere. And I feel like we can all do our part to show what's real. And I love aesthetic and I love a curated feed and I love nice pictures, but I feel like you can be authentic. You can have both. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I totally agree because then sometimes CS, we were just talking about this. Sometimes you follow people who have this platform. And we always say, if you're going to have a platform, hopefully you 
are using it well to either work through stuff yourself or inspire other people, but not make other people feel, you know, less than or not worthy. And CS was talking about it with like, I could never take a picture of my house the way some of these people do this. And, you know, sometimes it makes you feel horrible because Mm -hmm. you're comparing yourself to a highlight reel. And I think it's so great that you are making it so authentic where it's like, yes, I can relate to you and I can be me and I can be proud of being just who I am, even despite the beautiful pictures and the curated feed. It's just authentically your life. And there is no hidden, like all my stuff is in the closet hiding because I just wanted this to be picture perfect for my followers. Yeah. And thank God for Instagram stories where you can elaborate and give context and I can explain like, my house is clean, but I have a person that cleans my house and I, Mm -hmm. my kids are in childcare and I have an assistant. Like I'm not doing it all by myself, (laughs) you know, um, context is important. I feel like it's the best of both worlds because I am just like, I don't know if enamored is the right word because I don't think it is, but I, I don't often post. I used to post a lot more, but I just can't keep up with it. And I would rather follow other people more like me who are authentic. And it's like, I would need to hire an interior decorator if I really wanted to decorate my house, but I have a good eye for it. So I can Mm -hmm. appreciate the aesthetic, but then I truly appreciate the content when it's genuine and authentic. So thank you for sharing everything with the world. Thank you. Yeah. I think Instagram and social media has kind of taken a turn where it was very much so, like you said, five years ago, just Pinterest picture perfect. And now it's very much, people don't want to see that. People want to see real life. They want to see messy. It can still be a beautiful picture, but they want the nitty gritty of who these humans are, not just, you know, what they're talking about or what they're pitching or selling or whatever. Yeah. So I think you're doing an awesome job with that and inspiring your followers. Um, Tell us about a marathon that you ran. Yes. How did this all come and happen and tell us everything? Okay. So I, obviously the bread and butter of my business is through sponsorships by brands because I have an audience. And um, so the short version of that is that I work to find brands that I align with so that um, my content is still authentic and whatnot. So I, I got approached by a brand last June and they are like an eco-friendly home brand. The CEO is a runner. They're from New York. And this PR company is like, we have this idea. We think it would be really cool to um, find an influencer. And our CEO noticed you on Instagram, like a normal non-elite runner, like a normal person that would be interested in training for the New York City Marathon this year, which was last year, um, and kind of parallel the stories of um, small eco-friendly changes amount to big change and training for a marathon. And I was like, Mm -hmm. well, my personality, I'm like, yes, I'll figure it out later. Like, (laughs) okay. And so I was like, I mean, I had, I'm not really running, <laughs> but like, this sounds cool. Um, like I'll figure it out. Like, sure. I'll do it. Cause also the New York city marathon is like impossible to get into. And like a lot of runners have tried for like 15 years to get in. So like, that's like a bucket list thing by itself. Um, 
and I was like, you know what, this could be a really good opportunity for me to just try and like even if I get hurt halfway through training or even if I make it one mile of the marathon, like maybe it would be cool to just show people that you can try things that you don't think you can do. So like either way, I'm going to say yes. So I said yes. Um, and then by the time like the ink was dry on the contracts, I only had like 12 weeks to train. Um, so I <laughs> trained in 12 weeks. I got a coach, which is like hard because there's no marathon training programs that are 12 weeks, which is why I hired a coach because I was like, I don't know what we're going to do, but you have to tell me. So for anybody interested that is a runner, what I ended up doing was like two long runs on the weekend instead of one if you if it was long. So I would run, you know, 20 miles in two days instead of one day towards the end or whatever. So that was brutal and terrible and I wanted to die and like throw myself off the treadmill a lot. Um, but I, f I finished training and um, yeah, I'm like a size 16 and not a runner and I finished the marathon last year in November. Um, and I didn't think I was going to finish until like mile 24. <laughs> and then I was like, I might actually finish. <laughs> um, because at that point I had no goals. I didn't look at my watch that entire day. It took me like seven hours to run it. Um, run slash shuffle. <laughs> um, I didn't want to know how far I was. Like I just was like, we're just going to keep doing one step at a time. And if you make it, it doesn't matter how many miles you make it. And so when I got to 24 miles, I was like, oh my God, you might actually finish. Like what is happening? So, so yeah, I finished and I felt like it was really huge for me. It was life-changing. It's a huge part of the book I wrote, I just wrote, um, because it was a very, it was the best day of my life. No offense to my kids. Um, but I, I just really moved through like so much of my life and my trauma that day and like just proved to myself that I can do beyond what I think I can do. And I think I proved that to a lot of other people as well. That is so cool. It was really cool. Yeah. It like brings tears to your eyes because you hear running and I am not a runner, but it's mental. Like obviously it's physical and you probably felt like you were going to die. I for sure would, but the mental part to keep going <laughs> yeah. and to get through, it's almost like, like you said, you worked through so much. I would think of all the hard things in my life as I'm going through it. Like I could picture it and you having to work through those to physically finish this race. I don't know how I could do it. And I'm not going to say I would never do it because we've talked about this. Never say never. <laughs> it can happen. But you work through all of that to finish this running for seven hours. Yeah. Well, that was, I talk about, um, this is fun. I haven't really got to talk about the contents of my book yet. So this is fun. I talk about in my book, like, um, I thought, I mean, you don't know what it's going to be like. I watched a million YouTubes about what it's going to be like, and you just don't know. Um, but what you realize when you get out there is, like, there's two kinds of people in the New York City Marathon. I mean, there's, like, 55,000 runners, I think. Um, and half of them are, like, you know, the athletes, the elite runners. Oh, I'm going to cry talking about this. And then the rest of the people are, like, the human spirit people. Like, the people that take seven to nine hours to finish that are, like, running for their dad that died of cancer. Or, like, oh. they're on, art, you know, prosthetics like showing people that they can do it and they're me and they're like so the people you're with at the end after it's dark and they're just trying to get to the finish line before they close Central Park 
though I mean it's just such an experience that like you could I could never duplicate like you know the athletes have been done for like five hours and everybody else is like no we're gonna finish like if we have to like crawl to the finish line we're gonna finish um and every all those people had a story some people had stories like typed up and taped to their back like um there's just so many so many cool people and so being around all these people was big for me because for 12 weeks of training I just thought like I'm too fat I'm too slow I'm too like I'm not this isn't me like this isn't I just felt really sorry for myself a lot and like wanted to quit and then when I was around all these people from all over the world with real problems (laughs) I was like I am, this is not about me. Like, we, all these people have problems. All these, these people are sicker than me. These people are older than me, bigger than me. Like, I'm nothing. Like, I'm, you know, like, I can do this. Um, so yeah, so it was a, it was really cool to just be around, like, humanity in that way. What a gift that you gave your kids and yourself. And then parallel to that, like, the metaphor that that race will stand for, for you forever. I mean, yes. what a talking point for your kids. Like we have to say to each other all the time, whenever we print something on a shirt and one of us goes off on a tangent, it's like, keep going. And in this sense, like you said, whether you have to crawl or whether, I, I don't even know, ar- army, what is that? I, yeah. I don't even know. There was one point you get so, you get so, um, well, it, they talk about the wall in a marathon for any runner regardless of if they had 12 weeks of training. Um, also, I was, like, on my period that day. I had a migraine that day. It was a terrible day. Anyway, so, uh, but, I, like, at mile 18, I, like, really started to fall apart mentally, and I was, like, you go into this really weird, I compared it to, um, like, transition and labor when you're, it's, you're, like, you're almost done, but it feels like the worst part and you can't finish, and you just need somebody to tell you, like, you're so close, like, just keep doing it and like all my brain would do my I was like in primal brain I couldn't think about anything except like my feet and I was just like I literally said out loud I don't know how long I literally out loud was like foot road foot road (laughs) foot road like I was just like only think about one foot at a time and and yeah it was such a metaphor for life that sometimes you just have to keep like one step just one step until you get there I don't think there's anything more emotional than when you see videos of marathons of like people helping another person across the finish line or like carrying them or those stories. And you think of all those people who in their minds are going through things like this and foot road, like whatever it's going to take for me to keep going and get over the finish line. And then they're just like emotional end when they cross the finish line. How was that, like, moment for you? Again, I was in such disbelief the whole time. Like, I still have chills talking about it because that was just such a – like, no one will ever understand what that felt like. That I just can't (laughs) explain it. Um, It was like I just didn't really even think I would do it until the end. And, like, you've probably seen the video of, like, where I crossed the finish line and, like, I just, like, covered my face because I was like, that did not just happen. Like, I I don't even know what time it is. I just knew it had been dark for a long time. And, um, I just was like, I cannot believe this. Um, and the first person I called was my coach because I couldn't have done it without her at all. Like I didn't know anything about running and 
I called her like as soon as they put the middle around my neck and like sobbed my eyes out. I was like, thank you. Oh my God. Um, and then I realized how much I was in pain and then <laughs> to die. Um, I was like, it was funny cause we're in central park and we were staying in the, um, financial district. So it was like way far away. And there's obviously tons of people down there. And I was like, I don't care. My husband's like, do you want to do this or do you want to do this? And I was like, I don't care. I don't care how much money we have to spend to get an Uber. I got to get in a car. Like, I've got to sit down. Like, my feet are going to literally fall off. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I can't even fathom. Maybe someday. CS, we got to do a, a – well, let's start with a 5K. It's, it's honestly, like, I – if you are, like, a junkie for, like, mental challenges, I – I recommend it. I don't know that I ever need to do a marathon again, but to understand now the difference between like 13 miles and 26 miles, it's like exponentially different. It's not like, oh, it's just a little further. Like mentally, it is a completely different ball game. Like I felt so good halfway through that I was like, oh, this is, oh my gosh, I'm doing so good. Like, and then it was like, it was so bad. Yeah. Oh my my gosh. gosh. I need, I feel like I would want a mental challenge like that but I'm too chicken to try it, but I'm going to, I'll find a mental challenge like that. CS, you do it with me. We'll hold each other accountable. We'll do a good one. That breakthrough moment. You just want that. Like, well, everybody, everybody was like, if you could do any marathon, like New York city is like what everybody wants to do because the, it's so famous for like the spectators in New York, like the Mm -hmm. crowds, like their motto is like, uh, it will move you. And I, it like literally, like the people literally move you. Like you're you're so like you've so much dopamine from like all these people because like it goes through all five boroughs. So like I just can't explain it. I talk all about it in my book. But there's like multiple nationalities and like types of people and like flags and languages and there's like live bands on people's porches of on all different genres and like it's just a wild experience. Like if you can get into New York, it is the best. I yes. saw I saw a sticker the other day. So Katie, my sister Shannon, who passed away, she ran a half marathon. She actually ran two, um, and that was a new love for her, and that changed her life. Running changed her life. So it's kind of a surprise to me. I haven't really tried harder. Uh, maybe I'll get there because she didn't start until she was a little older than me, maybe maybe two more years. I got two more years. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I remember I got her that the sticker for Mm -hmm. a half marathon and she's like you know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna buy you a 0.00 sticker until you can join me and I'm like they don't even make those totally saw one the other day took a picture they totally do (laughs) I I thought that was just like you know when I committed to not be a sticker person but I do tell a lot of people that I ran a marathon after watching Dexter I'm not a sticker person either I don't know if you know what I'm talking about but yes I can give too much away about you yeah I agree but I also I love watch <laughs> Dexter, but I would tell anyone if I'm picking up on what you're laying down, not to have bumper stickers on their car or school stickers on their cars. Like with mm-hmm. like the have number of children you have and their gender and where they go to school. I'm a true crime person, creepy. so no thank you. Oh my gosh. I might have a school sticker. Ugh, take it off now. Um, okay, so her body can. This movement, this living example that you've given to yourself and to other people tell us 
all about this. Her body can? Yep. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm like, <laughs> this is making sure. Um, so before, well before the marathon, probably a year before, I um, there was a lot of body, body positivity content trending. And just the phrase body positivity, it's really great. And I know that it obviously comes from a great place, but... Uh, it felt like too much for a lot of my audience. Like they would message me and they were like, I just feel like I can't love my body and I don't know how you do too. And I was just explaining a lot that like, I don't, <laughs> I don't um, most of the time, like all of us, that's normal. Um, but I have just come to a place where I've trained myself to not think about what my body looks like as much. Um, and to me, that was more of a body neutrality place. So for me, I did a lot of mantras surrounding like, what can my body do? What has my body done? And not even like on the scale of a marathon, but like drives me to therapy. Um, you know, had children, sleeps when I'm tired, like all the things that, you know, your body does to keep you alive and like how much bigger of a deal all that is than what it looks like. And it just kind of takes your mind off of it and brings you more to a place of body neutrality. So I encouraged other women to hashtag her body can and talk about themselves and post pictures of themselves and they did a lot of them so I have another Instagram page her body can where we just do a lot of reposting and talking about feminism and that kind of stuff but um but yeah it really it felt like it started it was again one of those like self-fulfilling prophecies for me I think where I started it and then kind of just started living it and it kind of expounded I even had um my marathon shirt was custom made and it said her body can on the back and um People asked about it along the way and stuff. It was fun. But, um, but yeah, so that's kind of it. I still kind of just encourage people to use the hashtag when they can and, and redirect their, that focus. So is that if you have a woman who reaches out, like they said, like, I hate my body or how can you love your body? Do you give them that tip? Like focus on what you can do or what your body does do for you? Do you have anything else you tell them? Yes. Um, <laughs> my top tips, obviously, I can't, like, go into grand novels with everybody, but, like, the mm -hmm. top things that really changed things for me were uh, diversifying my social media feeds and unfollowing people who made me feel less than, um, following people who look like me, following people who don't look like me but are also in marginalized bodies, um, just cleaning up social media because that's usually the number one source that makes people feel inadequate these days. Yeah. We aren't, like, usually buying um, magazines and stuff. Like, nowadays it's, like, Instagram's making people feel bad. Right. Especially um, in, in moms who don't adequately, like, portray how hard that is, that whole transition into motherhood. So... Number one, social media, unfollow and specifically go follow people that are talking about all these things. Um, and then the next thing is like clothes. And this is, sounds small, but I think a lot of people still punish themselves by like not buying clothes or cute clothes or the right size clothes. So I always tell people to like buy outfits that make you feel good in your current size because um, I really changes things that really helps you feel like your size is okay and there are things that look good on you that you can go have fun in and all that um so yeah those are the main things and then yeah obviously try to spend more time thinking about what you can do and what you've done and 
and all the people that you think are beautiful that are in bigger bodies that you're not judging. So like, they're not judging you. I love that one of the tips was go buy clothes that you feel good about yourself in currently because clothes really are such a hang up for people. Like I'm going to fit into these jeans someday or whatnot, but I'm not going to buy anything now because this isn't my ideal. Mm-hmm. Why aren't we just making ourselves feel good as we are right now? And the better you feel about yourself, the better life you're going to have like in all aspects. And sometimes an outfit really can do that for you where you just feel, holy crap, like I feel beautiful and I feel happy and free. And that's when you realize it's not about the clothes. Like when you have something well fitting and you go have a good time and you feel beautiful or whatever, that's when you're like, okay, it wasn't about the clothes. Like I can still feel that way. No matter what size I'm in or what clothes I'm wearing, it's like bringing out that inner self that you just like love yourself. Doesn't have to be love my body as it is right now. Like you said, I'm neutral sometimes, but it seems so simple, but it truly is such a big thing that I know so many people just get hung up on the actual clothes in their closet. Yeah. I love that tip. So just this year, you co-authored a book with Addie Mishke called, well, a series, right? Called Body Can Books. And I purchased her Body Can. Is it the first one of the series? Yes. What inspired you to write them? It's a children's book, Mm -hmm. I should note. Um, Tell us all about this book. So Addie is another blogger that's local to me. Uh, We actually didn't even know each other that well. We've met at a few events and things. And we just got into this conversation about the lack of body diversity in children's books. She had just become a mom. I've been a mom for 10 years. And I was like, yeah, it does seem like all the protagonists are like skinny white kids (laughs) for the most part. Um, And specifically, you know, we're both plus size women and um, we're like, there should be a little girl that's plus size in, um, you know, a children's book. And she was like, we should just write one. And I was like, okay, again, this is my personality. I'm like, sure, let's do it. You free this weekend? Um, (laughs) So originally, the idea, I mean, the loose idea was to like have a storyline and like a plot. And then somehow when we were brainstorming um, creative ideas, we kind of came back to like this rhyming thing, like this like more brief book that's more like rhyming and things that kids can remember more like kind of like mantras. And um, we played with them starting with the words her body can. And um, I was very excited that we ended up doing that because it kind of links to my whole other project for adult women. So um, we decided to call it her body can. And it's a rhyming book. And it, um, it's a little girl who is just living her best life doing all the things that some people may think she can't because of her size. And she's not a victim in any way. There are some other body positive books out there, but it seems like a lot of them, the the plus size character or whatever starts out as like, she's bullied and she has to overcome it or she has to be saved. So, um, so this girl's just showing up. I love that. Unapologetically, this is just me. What's, what's the big deal? You know? Yeah. She's like, I can do all what? these things. I love it. What's the reaction you guys have received? So it was huge. Um, It launched right before quarantine. Uh, Again, it was like a passion project for us, really. And we hoped our friends would buy it. And like, it would be some kind of like a legacy for our kids to have. 
and it was insanely popular very quickly. Um, we, we hit the Amazon bestseller list like the first day and, um, I think we sold 10,000 copies the first month. Um, we did not expect that (laughs) at all. And it was like quarantine was starting and it was like kind of a mess. Um, and yeah, we, we were in Glamour Magazine and like, it was a little bit viral. It was very exciting. We got invited to go on the Kelly Clarkson show, um, right the week that quarantine started and they had to cancel, but we ended up, um, we didn't, did end up recording with her on zoom, um, a month or two ago. So, so yeah, it's been really big and really unexpected. That's amazing. What have you read this? Obviously to your daughter, what is her, what was her reaction when she read it with you? She loved it. She was funny. The funniest reaction she had was we had the illustrator do like a nod to Charlie. So there's like a dancer in the ballet scene that has a birthmark. (laughs) And um, Charlie was like, why did you draw a birthmark on her? Like I did it for her. And I was like, I didn't, it's just the book. And she was like, you drew that. And I was like, no, I didn't. Like, it's just the book. (laughs) It was funny. She was like, mom, like stop. Um, so that was the funniest thing. I think it was her. I can't, wow, this is bad when you have three kids. I can't remember if it was her or Grayson, but one of my kids was like, I didn't know you knew how to draw. And I was like, I didn't draw this book guys. Like they just like thought I just <laughs> like created this book by myself. Um, so anyway, they both loved it and they both were like the next day after we got the copies, they're like, can I take these to school? I need to give them to all my teachers and all my friends. And I was like, well, we can't afford that. Like maybe you can take, <laughs> take one to school. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. I mean, I love that your kids just see it as like you. It's like when you hear about like the movie stars, kids who watch a movie and they're like, Ugh, mom or yeah, yeah, you know, they, the glorification of it is like. This is just my parent. <laughs> yeah, they're just like, okay. Grayson, my mm-hmm. oldest, he's almost 11. So he was like, he was more interested in like numbers and fame and like, oh, you're talking to Kelly Clarkson. Can I come down and say hi? I was like, no, you can't. That's not how this works. Um, so that, yeah, it's funny. Do you feel like the message that you, like if someone DMs you for advice would it change if someone asked you how they could talk to their daughter about body positivity and has this book kind of helped guide you with that? Or have you thought about that at all? Um, I do get asked that a lot. I think that there's a lot we can't control with our kids and what they're exposed to. Um, I still very much believe that the best we can do is model the right things. I know that most of my weight stigma and fat phobia came from what I heard other adults saying when I was a kid. It wasn't really from other kids. It was like, I remember my mom thinking she was fat. I remember my family talking about going on diets and calories and like, it was always stuff I heard from adults that I was close to. So, um, I always say like, be super careful about what you're saying about yourself. Even if you're telling your kids like, eat whatever you want, like, don't be afraid of food, whatever. Um, if they hear you being afraid of food, they're not, they're going to believe you not, I mean, they're going to believe that not what you told them. So I still think we have to be really careful about that part. And then, um, we just keep the focus around here on what they can do. We don't talk about, I try not to do the, like, you're so pretty and like to Charlie and, um, we focus more on you're so funny and you're so smart and those kind of things. And then obviously if they ask me about someone else's differences, 
um, I just say the same thing that it, some people look different and it's just not a big deal. Just don't make it a big deal. So, but definitely modeling behavior, especially for women and girls, I think is huge. So huge. I feel like you can tell a kid anything, but they're not going to do what you say. They're going to do what you do. Mm -hmm. And so if they grow up with a parent, like you said, hearing about diets and that was always talked about around me or weighing yourself and a scale and, you know, it's those little things that we do. (laughs) Yes. Actually, my son the other day was like, there's this many calories in this. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about right now? Like, where did this come from? Uh, And then I found the correlation to what he was talking about. But I'm like, even just that little thing when it comes out of your kid's mouth and you're like, I remember, I remember when Grayson started learning about that in school and he came Mm -hmm. home like asking and looking at things. And I was like, first of all, like we need calories to live. So first of all, um, yes. Yeah. It's a lot of reframing. Brain too in schools sometimes. I not everyone's school, but and hopefully it's changing. But like the food pyramid, the blah blah blah. Like, come on, can we change things a little bit to not be so? This is the box you should fit in, and if you don't, there's something wrong with you. Yeah, and I you agree. Should work on it. Don't get me oh started. My gosh. <laughs> right, right. No, that'd be a whole nother episode. We can't. <laughs> Um, so her body can, and you are about to come out with his body can. Yes. So we are releasing his body can. Hopefully at the end of September, we're finalizing that right now. Um, but that one is going to deal more with gender stereotypes. So that will be a little boy who does whatever he wants, regardless of what people think he needs to do as a boy. So things that that boys can still do, even if they aren't stereotypically like masculine. Right. They can cry. They can have feelings. Yes. They can have you an know, American I'm, Girl doll if they want. Yes. They can be loud or quiet. They have or little dance boys. And they have or, yeah. Anything. Yeah. Yes. I totally agree. I think you're doing such a great job at breaking this world that we've kind of been in forever, especially us growing up as kids. This is how girls should be. This is how boys should be. This is how you should look. This is how you should feel. Who is making up all of this should, should, should? Mm-hmm. Like, it just shames people into being someone that they're not. And you breaking that down and showing people, you just need to be you and do what is best for you, for your body, for your life. It's amazing. And we need tons of it, which is obviously why so many people are buying your books and responding to this so greatly. I'm going to gain so much from this episode, too. I you know, we had Steph on here a couple of weeks ago talking about, um, you know, if if you're questioning whether or not your child may or may not be gay or or whether you just want them to grow up in a world where it doesn't matter, you know, it's how you phrase the question. It's not what you say, it's, it's how you phrase it. And I think that can go with everything that we want to get out of our kids and everything you're talking about goes so well with that. I feel like we should all just go to Florida together. Talk yes, about this some more. We should. Or somewhere. I mean, I want my kids to not be 35 in therapy, um, discovering totally. who they are. I want them to, you know, I want them to grow up knowing who they are and not be apologetic about it and then trying to figure it all out. No, like some of us. <laughs> so, 
So yeah, I 1000% agree. The example of the question that Steph Colling was talking about, it was like, I have a crush on someone. And she's like, maybe your answer could be, well, what's their name? Or is it a boy or a girl? Not who is she or who is he based on who we've been told right. <laughs> you should have a crush on. It's like just that simple intentional answer to let them pave their answer for who they are in life. It's so, I think we just need to do a whole lot better job at just being conscious and aware of how we act, what we say, how we answer questions, because that can determine how a child is going to perceive something, respond, hide off a part of their life. Right. We just, yeah. We Which do we don't want. No. Oh my gosh. I agree. I'm so oh my happy. Gosh. I'm just well, happy. Katie, what else is coming up next for you? Well, um, it's 2020, so who really knows? But um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm wrapping up the memoir, which I'm really excited about. I'm, I'm, I did not have children's books on my radar, actually, ever. But memoir, I've always wanted to write, and I'm very excited about that and how everything kind of universally came together. So as soon as I have a release date, I'll let you guys know. But I'm very excited about that. And and then, yeah, I'm, I guess this year has taught me to just kind of play it by ear and <laughs> see what happens next. Yeah. We didn't even touch on the um, photo that went viral of you and the three other amazing women. Um, but there, I mean, like so much of your stuff has gone viral and more things like those things need to go viral. Yes. I, I don't know how happy my dad was that a picture of me in my underwear went viral, but, <laughs> but yes, it was very important. And yeah. Um, yeah, the feedback, and I say, I screenshot um, when people send me like a story that, you know, that something I posted or wrote helped them in some way. I save all of them and I have a folder on my phone when I want to like quit the internet, um, <laughs> have a folder in my phone of, of those because it's important. And I think I have a purpose. And if you feel like your purpose is to publicly share your crap to make other people feel better, you totally should. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I love that. And it gives you so much perspective on the days when you feel like you just don't want to anymore or can't. Yeah. Yes. I love that. Oh. It's impacting so many people. And I think it's so great that you saying how you selfishly are working through your things with your journey in social media and the public. It's so nice to know that that's you going through it. This is not just you being like, I'm going to post this picture and hope a lot of people, I'm going to help them. You're like, I'm helping myself. And if other people can get help along the way and be inspired, then great. But this is for me. And I think a lot of us need to do that where this is for you. How can you be the best version of yourself? And if people see you and want to follow along, it's like leaving the crackers behind for other people to better themselves. And so thank you because you're doing an awesome job. Thank you so much. So yeah, where I don't know what I, you're talking about, the crackers. I just mean like if you want I get it, I get it. to be inspired, <laughs> you, you do it. <laughs> oh, okay. And you leave a trail of cookies behind so other people can follow your example. Yeah. Okay. But you're not forcing other people to do something. I mean, unless they're townhouse crackers. <laughs> I really like those. Ritz crackers, oh my gosh, too. I just leave a Ritz crackers last night. Um, <laughs> anyways, okay, back to what we were talking about. So, Katie, everyone is going to want to get your books, follow along. Where is the best place to follow and support you? 
So, um, katiecrenshaw.com will direct you everywhere, and then I'm most active on Instagram, so that's Katie M. Crenshaw, or Katie McCrenshaw is what everybody seems to think my last name is. That's awesome. <laughs> I get that's so awesome. much mail for Katie McCrenshaw for, like, brands and stuff, and I'm like, that's not my last name. You're Irish uh, now, overnight. I'm all, yes, I am. <laughs> Thank you so much, Katie. Thank you for having me. All right, guys, we will be back next week. Make sure that you screenshot, share this, tag Katie and us, and tell us your favorite part about today's episode, what you learned, and make sure to tag other people who can benefit from it as well. <laughs> what I was going to say. Bye. Golly. <laughs> <laughs> All of her endings. Bye, guys. I never know. I never know. Oh.